morning, JD. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm not. You're hurting me here. Yeah. <laughs> so I just had surgery. So when I laugh, it hurts. I had surgery on my nose, inside of my nose. They cut a bunch of stuff away because I had a deviated septum and everything. So, so we'll try not to make you laugh. So if I'm frowning or if I just look angry, it's because my face hurts and it hurts to smile. And if I look painful, then that means I'm actually probably laughing if I yeah. look like I'm in pain. So, I mean, I've heard it's awfully painful. Um, it's yeah, it's been yeah. a week laying down, reclining, watching TV. Oh, but I'm glad to be here today. But you actually did preach. Sunday yeah, I was really glad. Yesterday, was like, yeah. you know, we're gonna power through. We're gonna make it, and so made it. And I was really glad. Wow. Glad to be there. That's yeah. that's dedication. And we we were just gonna potentially, uh, potentially, uh, we were just gonna project the service from here. Excuse me, the the sermon from here up there. Uh, probably good we didn't. Though. Yeah, I won't take credit. It was mostly Tylenol. So thank no, Tylenol. God for Tylenol. Good. There you go. Good. Yeah. Hey, so we're going to be having uh, come next week. We have a new studio. We're going to unveil a uh, new backdrop. I didn't know that. Yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's giving me That's a dirty face joke. because uh, we were just talking about uh, how how that would go, and, and now to change my Monday check-in now. now I'm in trouble. <laughs> Well, good. Hey, uh, yeah, so Sunday, um, we were in Acts chapter 1, the second part of chapter 1. Mm -hmm. Is that what you did, too? Yep, and finishing up last week, we were Acts 1, 1 through 11, I believe, so this week was 12 to then. Yeah, yeah. how'd that yeah. go? It was good. It went really well. Yeah, I liked it. How about you? What did you talk about? <laughs> what did I talk about? I talked about several things, so there were a few <clears throat> sort of just walking through the passage, a few things that jumped out. Um but bird's eye view first, I'll go into it more in detail later, but a few things it talked about was prayer, mm. um, and then the how the prayer in that scripture passage was really, really interesting, and then we really focused on uh, being not chosen, and then being chosen, oh, so wow. we talked about those three things, prayer, being not chosen, then being chosen, um, so that's the bird's eye view, what yeah, about for you guys? Yeah, wow, so uh, I, I really hit on, on the um, together aspect of it, because mm -hmm. there's, uh, in that end of that passage it talks about how they were together in prayer and they were agreed together and they'd met together and and so i really kind of um talked uh, a lot about how we've been we've come out of this time of isolation mm -hmm. and uh how that has impacted us so much and and how we need to to move together and and something happens when we are together and uh you know there's a spiritual element that takes place or uh, not an element, but a, a, a spiritual dynamic that takes mm -hmm. place when we come together and seek God together and worship together and uh, and that kind of thing. And it, and I actually started uh, we the two of us and and, and then Pastor Nate had just gone to um, San Francisco, and yeah. I was talking about uh, how we uh, how I stood in the um, in the D cell. Uh, oh, yeah, in Alcatraz. The, in, yeah, yeah, in Alcatraz, in the, um, what's it called? The oh, solitary confinement. I can't even remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the solitary confinement yep. cells and <clears throat> kind of what that must have felt like and um, we, how we just don't do as well when we're uh, by ourselves. Mm. Yeah. How anyway. Yeah. How it's a punishment to be alone, and yet we're more alone now, you know, than we ever have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a punishment. Yeah. <clears throat> in fact, uh, one of the things that, that I was kind of, you know, hitting on is just that uh, I, I actually started in Genesis where, where God said um, it's not good for the man to be alone mm. and kind of built out from there mm. um, and then didn't get to the Acts text till kind of near the end of the message. Awesome. So, yeah. 
left alone to wrestle with our own thoughts in our head, we can go to dark places. That's yeah. right. And I think that that's so important too, because a lot of people I run into nowadays, when it comes to spirituality or thinking about God, it's a, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, this is right. what I think, or I'm going to follow God on my own, or yeah. I have my beliefs, you have your beliefs and that's great. Um, and the opposite isn't necessarily true that we all need to believe the same thing we need to be agreed upon, but doing spirituality together, pursuing God together is just so essential, yeah. but it's something that I feel like we've lost that somewhere along the way, at least culturally or society wise that there's this lie going around that. Yeah, no, you can do spirituality all on your own. Pursue God all on your own. Right. But right. Seek your own truth. Exactly. That's, that's your yeah. truth. And this is my truth. Yeah. That one drives me nuts. Yeah. Especially if we believe in a social God, if we, if, if we believe in a God where love is the most important thing, love, it can't just be one person. It's two, you know, loving someone more than yourself, you know, sacrificing for someone else. And so if we truly believe that that's the nature of God, we have to pursue him with other people, you know, as frustrating as other people might be sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Yeah, so then kind of built that out. What, what, where did you go with, uh, with your message? Well, one thing that I th thought was super interesting um, in the passage, sort of related to your point, is that they were praying together. Yep. It says that the disciples prayed with the women. Um, yeah. And pointing that out is super, super, we might gloss over that, the disciples prayed with the women. That was actually a massive, massive deal. Um, because back then, um, everyone worshiped, you know, at the temple, at the temple of Jerusalem, obviously in their small synagogues, but the big, the big church was the temple and they had different layers around the temple. So, and this is what I talked about is they had the outer court, which was women and Gentiles. And so me and you, because we probably, I'm guessing you don't have Jewish blood in you. I don't, I think, you know, took one of those 23 and me DNA tests <laughs> right. and I was like, please a little bit of, you know, I want a little Jewish. bit of Jewish blood. I had zero. So yeah. anyways, I would what, be relegated to this. What outer. did you have? What kind of blood? Oh, I'm mostly German, um, Northern European. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm just mostly mostly German, European, yeah. English, um, and then Scandinavian. Uh, so yeah, like German, English, and Scandinavian countries, those three. Yeah. So yeah, it's it a pretty boring test. That's, I mean, mine's mostly Neanderthal. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it came back with? <laughs> Not really. I, I've never done it, but I'm sure it would that's be something, funny. something like that. So what was I saying? So the outer the outer ring of the temple was Gentiles and women. The yep. inner ring was Jewish men. And so what that meant is like worship services, like praying to God, because you would go to the temple to pray. You would be split up praying. The men and the women would be split up. You wouldn't be able to pray with your spouse, with your sister, with your mother. You would be split up praying. <clears throat> um, and this attitude actually continued on until present day. And so it's only in 2016, six years ago, that men and women could finally pray together at the Wailing Wall. So wow. I was doing a little bit of research like, hey, is it still that men and women are separate for prayer? And families will still pray, but when you're doing corporate prayer in the Jewish religion still at these holiest sites, because the Wailing Wall is the holiest site in all of Jerusalem for Jews, right. you could not pray together as a man and a woman until 2016. Wow. And so... Here we have 2,000 years ago, super progressive that the disciples and the women are praying together, yeah. you know, corporately praying together. And they're not family members with each other. They're friends praying together. So anyways, um, just talked a little bit about the significance of that, of praying together. And then as a church, we actually started our prayer ministry. So sort of went on a, not, not on a tangent, but in the sermon, just like, hey, you know, we're not just preaching to preach. Like, let's actually practice what we preach. And so there's a sign up in the back oh, <laughs> for our prayer ministry yeah. um, because we've been talking about starting a prayer team. But what better way than when the Bible passage talks about it to actually just do it and stop talking about it. So 
we now have a prayer team um, for Skyrocket Church that you can sign up for that we're going to start emailing out a prayer list because we actually get tons of prayer requests, not just from members of our congregation, but wow. from the community itself. That's great. And so, and there's a lot of hurt that's happened in Prescott in the last few years. So anyways, we started a prayer team and that was part, that was sort of the first part of the sermon yeah. is talking about the importance of corporate prayer of being together for prayer um and that there's no difference between man and woman um went to the galatians passage slave and free so economic status doesn't matter um jew or gentile race and ethnicity doesn't matter male or female gender doesn't matter you know in prayer before god we are all equal um and so together in prayer yeah that's sort of where I went with the whole togetherness it's so important even though praying together makes a lot of us uncomfortable you know like I know I don't like praying in front of people I don't think that the gift of prayer is my gift I feel like I don't have that but it's so important you know to do that so so, uh I actually when I close my message come back when I close my message I was talking about uh the prayer time that we had and when we were in San Francisco Mm. and how um you know I I had explained to you and to Nate that it just felt like such an odd dynamic for me that I felt like I uh was at a a family reunion that I didn't want to go to. I, I said that to you uh, here. I, I said uh, it felt kind of like a class reunion, but I've moved on and everybody else has kind of moved on. Yeah. And here we are back. And then comes this prayer time, this corporate prayer time at the end of, you know, one of the, the speakers mm-hmm. said, let's gather together in groups and, and pray. And, and we did. And um, so while I'm feeling disconnected and the only thing I really want to do in that moment is go to lunch, yeah. you know, or, or go eat, you know, so we can get out of there. Yeah. Kind of thing. But um, but we get into this prayer time. This guy gets up and uh, he's planting a church and he mm. says, I, I'd like prayer for my son who mm. uh, he's having a hard time. We moved 2000 miles and he's having a hard time. Mm. And and I start, you know, I, I well up with emotion for this guy. I don't even mm. know him at all. Mm. And um, and I start praying for him. And uh, and, I, you know, suddenly the disconnect that I was feeling mm-hmm. It, it all kind of melts away in that moment when, when you're praying and, mm. and you're connecting on that spiritual level uh, with somebody, with a total stranger, but it's it's based on this faith. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a dynamic that's really impossible to uh, to describe if you're without really experiencing it. Mm. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things that uh, had I had I not gone and not connected, hmm. I wouldn't have wouldn't have experienced that. But then I wouldn't have been able to pray for this guy either. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was just a very uh, strange. But anyway, I closed out my sermon uh, with that, that, you know, God meets us corporately and, and moves us differently hmm. um, when we're gathered together like that. So Yeah, because we can be in prayer with someone that, like you said, we don't want to be with that person. We might disagree with them. We might not be getting along with them. But at the foot of the cross, we're equals, you yeah. know, regardless of what we're going through or what's happening. And um, I felt that in the exact exact same feelings, you know, at, at that conference. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a beautiful thing, corporate prayer. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so they <laughs> gathered, and they're, they're praying together, the disciples, the women. Uh, and then the other thing was Jesus' brothers were there. Yeah. Which was did, an, uh, did you dig into that at all? A little bit. <clears throat> yeah. What'd you say? Well, just the fact that um, you know his brothers weren't his followers uh, during mm-hmm. his ministry on the earth. His brothers 
really they thought he was out of his mind at, at a certain <laughs> point you know they'd come mm-hmm. with mary to take him uh, home because he they thought he was out of his mind which but now they they were there you know yeah so that's well, i don't know side note so how'd, how'd you dig of, into how'd you dig into that well, or no, just the I, fact that it was really interesting yeah i just i just mentioned it you know <clears throat> half the time when you're preparing a message and you trip across something like that that's just a fascinating yeah uh little thing and and if it catches your attention, it probably matters. Yeah. Um, in scripture. And and so as you prepare a message, sometimes you're thinking the message is going to go this way, but something catches your attention. Well, those little things that catch your attention are probably worth touching. Yeah. Even if you don't. So I had a similar experience actually with this passage. I think they're worth touching on even if you don't know what to say. And so in my sermon for about 30 seconds, talked about the fact that they cast lots. And I oh, just yeah. said to my congregation, what this really is like is casting lots is pretty much the same as throwing dice. So they would throw these right. things and they would flip on one side or the other. And that they made this tremendous spiritual decision and they left it up to pure chance or what we would say is pure chance by rolling, yeah. rolling the dice. And I, I just, I told everyone, I said, I don't really know what to make of this, but I'm just bringing it up because I think it's super interesting, yeah. especially because normally, you know, in traditional Christianity or cultural Christianity, gambling, dice, throwing stuff like that, like leaving stuff up to chance, that's not the will of God, whatever. But here's one of the most pivotal decisions that the disciples are making, and they don't pray and then go with their gut. They literally flip a coin, right. which is well, they just did pray. crazy. I mean, well, they prayed, yeah, but they didn't normally, like nowadays, how do you make a tough decision? You pray, and then which way is God leading you? Right. And yeah, then we right. try to go with our, and normally that's with whatever our gut says at the end of the day. But what the disciples did is they prayed and they said, okay, God, lead the lots. Whoosh. They left right. it up to chance, you know, but maybe not chance because maybe God guided it. But that's yeah. just a, a spiritual tool that I feel like we don't use. I don't know. Have you ever left something, a big decision completely up to chance? Well, that's a hard question. Have I ever <laughs> left a big decision up to chance? Um, here's what I think about that. Um, I think I think we get some things wrong along the way. Mm. And I think I've gotten things wrong along the way here and there. But um, maybe a lot of things. But but God, um, God has a way of leading us even when we get it wrong. And getting us where he's trying to take us. And mm. so uh, I, I might make a decision and run off in the wrong direction and find that it was a dead end or, or something like that. And, and then God guides me back in mm. some way. I mean, I, I think uh, that that does happen. In this case, you know, I would say God used their their coin toss or, or yeah. you know, their, um, yeah, to, to make the right decision. I mean... At least that, it seems they they felt all right about it. Yeah, and the the funny thing too, and this is another thing that I talked about. All this happened before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and right. so Jesus said, "Go back and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit." They pray, they make this decision. Right. Um, they're looking at scripture, so Peter's quoting David. You know, they cast lots, so they're making this massive decision before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, kind of an Old Testament style. Yeah. yeah. But I totally agree with you, and what you're saying is that it's sometimes we might make the wrong decision, but it's not necessarily going to mess up God. You know, we can't really, God has a plan and he's absolutely sovereign and we'll make a decision, but we can't really mess up God. Um, I told this story. Let me know if you, have you ever done this? Um, pastor Jim, have you ever opened your Bible and then started flipping through it? 
when you're at a point where you need guidance or you're lost and then you just randomly stop and then you randomly put your finger on a page. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I ever done that. Um, I, I have done that. Okay. Um, good. But, 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 um, I was sharing how that I've was, done that all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me say this. I have done that, but I haven't done it in a long, long, long time. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think I probably used to do that quite a bit when I was a kid. Uh, and I'm not trying to say that if you've ever done that as an adult, you're you know immature or anything. <laughs> well, but for you who are watching, I've done that as an adult. Yeah. So here, there you I go. I haven't done that as an adult, um, but but that's because I've kind of steered away from that. Just yeah. because I'm like, yeah, what's the chances? And you yeah. Know. Well, and I've never received very explicit guidance from doing that because I'll do that and then I'll hit a genealogy. I'm like, come on, God, <laughs> right. what are what are you doing? Like, why aren't right. you guiding me? But I think it's just funny that the element of this pursuing after God of trying to do His will is that the disciples they're they're doing they're they don't they're not flipping through the Bible like that, but they're referencing past Scripture and David. They're leaving it, you know, doing something with chance with lots. You know, they're yeah. just they're just doing everything they can. Um, and it's broken and it's a fallen way because they don't have the Holy Spirit to guide them a hundred percent in their ear. Right. But to me, it's encouraging because a lot of big decisions I have, sometimes I do feel the explicit guidance of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times I don't. Yeah. And so on those times that I don't, we can look at this scripture, scripture passage in Acts one and see these disciples, they did the best that they could, even without explicit guidance from the Holy Spirit. And they still, it, it worked. <laughs> Yeah, it did. So a lot of people will push on that and and say, well, actually, they should have waited for the Spirit, and it shouldn't have been Matthias. It should have been Paul because the the lot they cast the lots mm -hmm. and they chose Matthias, um, which is great for Matthias. Um, but some people say no, it should have been. They should have waited. It was actually the next apostle was supposed to be Paul. Um, but do you remember what it says? The uh, in that passage, what it says that the prerequisites of being an apostle were. Yeah, is to follow Jesus from his, I think, baptism until his resurrection, right? Yeah, so they had to had to be somebody who who saw Jesus in mm -hmm. action from the very beginning of his public ministry until the cross. Yeah. So, uh, or until the resurrection. And I think anyone saying that just doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, oh, we know better than the disciples back then. It's like, come on. <laughs> You're right. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of yeah. line, but... Well, and, and some of the other apostles ended up uh, getting killed along the way. So Paul maybe was a replacement. There you, there you <laughs> replacement go. Replacement. Yeah. And that's one thing I touched on in the sermon. If you're not chosen, because I opened talking about, I, I've gotten not chosen. I've gotten rejected several times from wait, jobs. Wait, wait. You got nachos? Like cheese, nachos and cheese? Nachos. No, not chosen. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said nachos. <laughs> Whoa. Looks like we're going out. It looks like we're eating after, after this because we're a little hungry, huh? I meant not chosen in the sense that like trying to find a job once I first moved here, you yeah. know, to Walla Walla. I was looking at Spokane, Tri-Cities, Walla Walla, getting rejected by everything, you know, yeah. and I was trying to not get a church job. I was trying to get a bunch of other jobs and getting not chosen, you know, it can be really frustrating. And in our story, justice doesn't get chosen. And so you think, well, you know, does God have a plan for him? What happens when you think that this is God's will? Like it's God's will for me to have this job, to be with this person to do this in my spiritual life. It's God's will for me to be on this path. And then all you get is a closed door. Yeah. Does that mean that God doesn't care about you anymore? Um, and that's not the case at all. So justice, actually, he became, did a little research on him. He became the Bishop of Eli, blah, blah, blah. It's some long, fancy 
city and I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's in Italy, but he became the bishop. He became the head of the church of a certain region and he ended up dying for his faith. Um, and so history tells us that, yeah, he didn't get chosen the last, you know, and you put yourself in his shoes. He followed Jesus his whole life. This is finally the chance to finally become a disciple. One of the 12 and the lots don't fall on you. You think, Oh God has rejected me. But that's not the case. We look at his life. He becomes the head of the church of a region, and then he ends up dying for Jesus. And so I think there's a huge message for that in that we are all chosen. We might not be chosen for a specific part of ministry or a specific position, but every single one of us are chosen. And I believe Justin Justice was chosen, just yeah. not chosen for this part of ministry to be one of the 12 disciples. And so to me, at least that's encouraging that when we face rejection, when we get God's will wrong, you're still chosen. You know, you just might be chosen for something you don't understand yet. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, or maybe you just continue to serve and go where that takes you. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, who knows, you know, he could have been really discouraged and, and kind of just said, I guess it wasn't for me, and then yeah. just quit. Or he just walked through the doors that were open, and uh, and that's where it took him. Yeah. Love it. Hey, so uh, there is one other little bunny trail I, I alluded to, and I didn't go down it. Uh, but the whole idea that, that, you know, they're replacing Judas, who um, in – in Acts, it says he fell headlong in the in a field. Had fell, uh, fell headlong, and his uh, intestines spilled out, which is yeah. pretty graphic. I mean, yeah. that's like it's <laughs> like a horror movie, <laughs> you know. But um, and then in uh, in Matthew, yeah, in Matthew chapter twenty seven, it says he hung himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is it? And some people point to that. Um, to that passage and they say wait a minute the gospel doesn't agree with uh, you know the the account in acts and so obviously there's a problem you know uh, one of them is wrong what do you do with that when you come across a, a passage like that where judas hung himself in one uh, account and then in another account he falls headlong and he splits himself open and and what do you do with that Honest answer, I think it's the history of the church to try to always make sense of it, right? And so what that means is, well, what probably happened is Judas hung himself and then he fell over and split and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's that's Augustine who said that. Augustine said, yeah, both can happen. Both can happen. And And probably hung himself and then the branch broke or something and they fell and split. And that's the tradition of the church. Um, But once you've studied the Bible enough and once you do that enough— you start to get really tired because (laughs) there's so many instances like that. So for example, in John, right? Jesus is overturning the tables in the temple. Well, in John, that's at the very beginning of his ministry, but in all the other gospels, it's at the very end of his ministry. You know, in all of the gospels, Jesus ascends from a different place. Is he ascending from Jerusalem or is he ascending, you know, from Nazareth? There's so many different places in the gospels and in the Bible that if we're being honest with ourselves, it seems like they conflict. Um, so you could try to say, oh yeah, well, you know, Judas hung himself and then fell over. I'm just of the conviction that I don't care (laughs) if some of the Bible gets it wrong. Um, and that might be a controversial statement, but to me, it doesn't really do anything because these are eyewitness accounts of what happened. Right. And so if I saw, and these are all written, you know, 50 to a hundred years after they happened too. So if I remember something different than someone else did, 
I don't think minor issues like this matter mm. so much because at the core, the important parts of the gospel, important parts of the Bible are all unanimous. They're all 100% lined up. And so I, if anything, I think that these varying accounts that might have different factual information, I don't think we have to make them all fit because that's just not how the world works. I think we can say, well, we don't know which one happened. Mm. Um, but what we know is that Judas killed himself yeah. and that he died. So yeah, I guess that's a less yeah. popular answer, but I honestly, I don't try to, I've given up trying to make it all fit because there's, there's too many disagreements in the, it, where scripture contradicts itself on tiny little pieces of information yeah. that I think it's more fair just to say, this isn't what we're supposed to do. You know, scripture can speak for itself. It's not up to us to justify scripture. That's one of the wisest professors, um, in seminary said that and it really stuck with me is it's not up to us to justify Jesus. Jesus can defend himself. Yeah. Um, the God of the Bible can defend himself. So who are we to try to make sense and make logical sense? Because maybe that's not what's important at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my answer in a nutshell. What do you, what do you yeah, think about it? I, I think that's a great answer. Uh, but the other thing I think is, um, a lot of the times we see something as a contradiction, mm. but it might not be a contradiction. We just think it's a contradiction because of what, what we're looking at. Um, it's hard to say, yeah. it's, you know, that's one of those things that's, that's really hard to say because you know, if, if you, you give your account, I give my account, I hit this detail, you hit that detail and they seem to contradict each other, but maybe they only contradict each other because of where you were sitting when you saw it and where I was sitting and yeah, human, uh, uh, testimony uh, can leave out a lot of stuff yeah. and um, yeah so I, I don't know um, but but that is one of those bunny trails I was like yeah should I go down that bunny trail nope 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 <laughs> we're because gonna have to do a whole series on the Bible then and on the <laughs> on the bunny trails bunny tra <laughs> on the well on the on the inspiration of the Bible and I was like because I, I agree with you going on a bunny trail like that that's a that's an eight-week sermon series <laughs> <laughs> right what if we did a sermon series called bunny trails I would love to do that. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it wouldn't be worth it though. Oh, I think it would be fun. Dude. I don't know. Well, fun, but yeah, would it get us anywhere? I think it would be worth it because I think each bunny trail that you lead down, um, most people that I talk to that have, so there's different populations of people who have a bad taste in their mouth of Jesus. You have the people that just you don't care, but then you have the people that are just completely against Jesus in the Bible. They hold on to these bunny trails and they obsess over them. Yeah. You know, like they're a big deal. And so I, I, I do think a, a series on bunny trails might be worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and they might obsess over them for good reason. So who knows? Huh. Monday matters. Monday does matter. Monday really matters. Yeah. yeah. And so thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you next Sunday. Sunday.